Hello and welcome to Scary Pair, a horror movie podcast between partners. I'm Nine. And I'm knock, knock, knocking at your door. <laughs> I'm Opal. And this week we watched The Babadook, uh, 2014. Oh, that was a bad intro. Well, we're stuck with it now. I'm yeah, not doing yeah. it over again. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's directed by Jennifer Kent, starring Essie Davis and Noah Wiseman. <laughs> if, if you're a little boy you can't be called wiseman i i like that's why i, I broke it up into wise, wise man because it's yeah. even i think that's even funnier actually well yeah anyway it was funny <laughs> anyway uh opal what have we been up to this week we watched a lot of movies this week we did we had a uh, movie week we had an excellent double feature what so chronologically was this first or yes, was this it was. this was the first one? Okay, so we watched uh, for Christmas for the holiday season, which is funny because it's kind of an anti-Christmas movie. Yeah, we watched Gremlins and, and Gremlins Two. We both watched Gremlins Two for the first time. Yeah, we had we had seen Gremlins before. You grew up with Gremlins. I grew up with Gremlins. Yeah, I had like never seen it until a few years ago. Yeah, uh, amazing movie. Love that movie. Great movie. I uh, love the puppets. Uh, got that Spielberg stank all over it. Oh, it's so fun, though. Uh, a lot of fun. Just... Scared parents enough to make PG-13 into a rating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Gremlins 2. Oh, I loved it, though. It's very different. They're two very different They're two movies. very different movies. Um, like, Gremlins is kind of just like a straight-up, like, kind of family comedy with some blood and guts in, thrown in um and some puppets and then gremlins 2 is like a a spoof cartoon movie i would say almost but it's like i found myself laughing at it a lot i thought it was really funny i thought it was really funny um really clever actually and ironically there's a lot of background jokes and stuff that i really dug yeah and i mean you know the bit with the movie theater if you've seen gremlins 2 is so fucking funny we were staring at each other like oh my god (laughs) This is happening. Right I, I now. think I knew there was meta stuff in Gremlins too, but I didn't know it went that hard. It's uh, it's really fun. I love yeah. when movies do stuff like that. Yeah, it was just really fun. Uh, definitely one that I'm gonna come back to. Yeah, me too. Honestly, they're they're great as a double feature together. Just like definitely, yeah, yeah. You see the progression for yeah. sure. I do think the like main puppet despite uh having like probably years of work done and designed around uh moving around looks worse in gremlins 2 the gizmo mm. puppet maybe I, maybe i like the original gizmo puppet that i think was, the original gizmo is really cute that was supposed to be in one scene and then they <laughs> accidentally had to like uh, it kind of just looks like a furby <laughs> it does yeah and then they had to turn it accidentally like into a whole character yeah uh, i think that puppet has a ton of character to it um, well, he's not in two as much. Well, in two, like, I think they, they have him moving around and doing way more active stuff because they could, like, build the movie around him doing that because they knew what yeah. he was going to be from the beginning. And it just wasn't, I didn't think the, the gizmo bits were as charming. Well, I mean, I, I find the actual gremlin bits more charming. Like, oh, I, don't, yes. I don't think they should have killed the brain gremlin. I think that's just a guy and you let him live you, among yeah, society. You, you you bring that guy back. Yeah. yeah. You definitely like in, in uh, two years when they do gremlins three, you bring that guy back. Yeah. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> we're fans. Uh, uh, so those were good. Uh, don't really have anything else to say about it. Gremlins is fun. No, they're 
a hundred percent so fun. If you haven't watched Gremlins or Gremlins do, just like do it for yourself. Now for the other side of the spectrum. Oh, <laughs> we we did get to smile. It's on streaming now, so that's that's why. That's the reason why. Well, the reason why is because you thought this movie... Oh, you're going to lord this over me, are you? I am, because <laughs> I deserve it, because for the first time ever, you are wrong. That's not even true. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I mean, I think the most tragic thing that can happen to me personally is when a trailer looks really funny and camp, but then the movie is completely not, and it takes itself way too seriously. Yeah, like, the trailer had a bunch of, like, goofy bits in it, and then those were the they only... They put, like, the good bits in the trailer, the, the... which is also kind of a crime and unexcusable. Those were the only goofy bits in the whole movie. There, there was there was a little bit at the end that I liked, but for the most part, it, it as a movie kind of made me miserable. I was kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, like, oh, okay, I get it now. I This has redeemed itself, but no, it just kind of fizzled out. It, it's really just a movie about how... Um, one woman can make every wrong decision uh, collectively and consecutively. It does not have a good attitude about mental health no, or anything. Despite being a movie that's like nominally about that, like all of the themes are like this is about a men- this is a mental health movie. Like it, the way it feels, the movie seems to feel about the mentally ill is not good. No. Uh, I found myself very depressed by it. And, like, you you guys know, I love a nihilistic movie, but it's not exactly <laughs> that. It's It kind of goes beyond that in a more, like, philosophically depressing uh, direction, if that makes sense. So, no, I, I didn't like it. And then I think on top of that, like you said, kind of the worst crime that it can be is then dull on top of that. It, yeah, I, I did find it boring on which, top of everything else which, yeah like i liked the bits that were in the trailer but like it didn't even sell those bits particularly i didn't even well. laugh that much at you're going to die because yeah. it was different than the trailer i think you romanticized you're going to die you're you, going to die no i swear it was like a different voice <laughs> saying it that was funnier in the trailer but um, i could also be wrong for the the third the third time ever. <laughs> so we weren't a we weren't a huge fan of that but, one but the movie we're talking about today, it's its fault that Smile happened. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess all will be revealed. Full, full disclosure. Yeah. Uh, next up, we watched Dead Ringers. Oh, it was so good, though. We needed a a, a Cronenberg to lift us out of you're, the funk. You're angling for the Cronenbergs. I'm not going to resist it, but you are definitely... There, I found several that I really, really want to watch, and I'm just like, yeah, I could do one a week. Uh, this one is Jeremy Irons playing uh, a pair of twins that yeah, have a bad time. Yeah. by Jeremy Irons. Uh, he, he's amazing in this. He is um, incredible. I already love Jeremy Irons. Like, you can tell the difference between the twins, which is... Crazy. Yeah, like, despite <laughs> looking and sometimes, like, sharing pieces of wardrobe intentionally, you can always tell which twin it is, which is... Even at parts where it's, like, supposed to be confusing, like, which is which, it's like, oh, yeah, this one is Elliot or whatever, you know? Like, I I found that movie very compelling. And also, I'm very sensitive to vaginal traumas. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, found, is... I found it very scary. It is a gynecology movie, which... I, uh... 
And, and it's a Cronenberg movie, which you mean you know means crimes are going to be committed on it, the flesh. It hurts me on the inside, <laughs> but I liked it. Uh, and yeah, just uh, you know, I wouldn't say the movie's like a hootin' great time or anything. No, but Jeremy Irons does an incredible job. Uh, I thought it was thoroughly uh, compelling and entertaining and very interesting. Also, just, like, reading the fact that it was, like, loosely based on, like, a real story. Yeah, was, that was, like, like crazy. huh? I uh, was like, okay, how much could it possibly be? And loosely. then it's like, uh. <laughs> but also not, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, it's obviously highly dramatized for, like, a movie, but uh, the, the key bits are there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go watch that movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Maybe if you like. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'll say if you like Cronenberg's stuff, like yes, I would, I would will, say you will probably like watch it. like The Fly first, and then watch Crash. And if you're still going, watch you know. If Dead you're Rangers. good after Crash, definitely watch Dead. Yeah, Rangers, or yeah. you know, Videodrome or any of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else on that one? No, it's good. It was good. Uh, and then the only other thing that we watched uh, besides two seasons of The Celebrity Mole. Oh, we can leave that in our past. <laughs> uh, uh, we watched uh, In Search of Darkness, which is a four-hour-long uh, Shudder uh, documentary about 1980s horror films. We we did watch all of it. Um, there is also a part two that is also four hours long. Jesus Christ. What I mean, what is the part two going to be? They already went through all the 80s. I mean, it'll is probably be... Is it just the be... movies that they didn't cover? Probably, because the way the, the documentary is structured is they have a bunch of just talking head interviews where they just are like, all right, let's roll out... Uh, it's 1980. Let's roll out, roll out the notable films of the 1980s and all the films that are based on Stephen King books. And then we'll have a few people well... say like one or two sentences about them. And some of those will be like, oh, they got John Carpenter to talk about the, like, craft of some of his movies. That's super cool. And then some of them are like, here's a YouTuber uh, doing tuber voice about, uh, I don't know. The plot uh, of Friday the 13th. Part, part 3 11. or whatever. Yeah, it was just, uh, that, that stuff wasn't as compelling. I mean, uh, it is... All of Shadow's documentaries are just like this. They are. Where I think if you've seen one, you've seen them all. And if you like or hate that format, that's how you're going to feel about They're all They're all like 30% bad. Yeah, I mean, some of the talking heads are just like kind of actors and like background people that are like, okay, what you're saying is insane right now. I can't agree with you. But then there are like parts where it's like, I don't know, here's, John Carpenter talking about, like, making the thing. Here's Joe Dante like here talking about this movie that he I, made, you know? Like. I love that part of it. I can't give it up for that part of it. But, God, some of the things <laughs> that actors say sometimes are crazy. Yeah, just give me more of, like, a behind-the-scenes crafts-focused approach and less of, like, a, a super fan sort of, like... I don't need the opinions. I don't need, like, the cultural, uh, uh, like, oh, here's, I'm the cultural tastemaker and this is the good one about sleepaway camp. Listen, there are so many of those where it's just, like, they talk about a kind of bad movie and they're like, it's a movie that exists and then they move on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so... Anyway, we'll, yeah, probably, we'll you, probably... you probably could have cut that documentary down by, like, two hours. There's, like, at least a 50% chance we watch all four and a half hours of the second one. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it gives you a lot of really good ideas for movies to watch to add to your watch list or whatever. That's true. I'm I'm taking notes on that. I would say The Howling is at the top of my list right now. I really want to see The Howling as well. I want to see that. Um, Phantasm. I really want to see Phantasm. I do want to see Phantasm. I'm into weird British sci-fi horror stuff, so I'm probably really going to like Phantasm. Yeah. I'm an extra fan, so, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Uh, yeah, you and, like, a bunch of, uh, middle-aged British men. That's fine. <laughs> anyway. Uh, should we get into the movie? I guess we're getting into it. I mean, we have nothing else to talk about besides the Babadook. I sounded like Yoda a little bit there. Duke? <laughs> That's stupid. Babadook? Let's not do this. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Uh, if you don't know what the Babadook is, the really zoomed out version is that uh, a... It's about depression. A, a mom, her husband dies as she gives birth to a kid, and then years later, uh, she has depression about it, and they have a bad time because the kid is difficult, and she doesn't handle it well. Uh, there's a guy in it. <laughs> He's there called the Babadook. Yeah. Do you uh, do you know about the meme? The Babadook meme? It's been so 2014 was so long ago. Well, the meme didn't really happen in 2014. It more happened when it caught on on Tumblr on like 2016. Okay, go ahead. Uh the the meme is that the Babadook is LGBT. Oh, I remember this meme. Yes. Yeah. That he that he is a gay ally. The Babadook. <laughs> That's it. That's the meme. But okay. also, be, there are a lot of articles online about where this started and how this could be. And it's a bunch of, like, kind of fluff talk about, like, queer coding villains and, like, oh, he's a funny guy in a top hat and things like that. But all of them swear up and down that Netflix had this movie in the LGBT section. <laughs> and this this came from one image on Tumblr that someone probably made. Yeah, almost but definitely. Now, like all things on the internet, we just believe each other about it. <laughs> There's a million things like this on the internet. I know, I cannot believe this. This is why like, I've had to stop looking up the IMDb trivia for most stuff, because they're just repeating random articles random on the internet. Random information that no one that, can back up in any way. That there's like no source for and sounds fake. Um, pretty soon I'm going to have to start treating the Wikipedia section like that as well, but... I mean, it's hard to do deep digging on a lot of movies like this sometimes. It's true, yeah. I mean, unless there's, like, a real fan uh, demand for more information about the movie. About um, production stuff specifically. Yeah, then it's sometimes kind of hard to track this stuff down. And also, like, a lot of the production stuff that does go get out there is, like, puff stuff that's, like, made in-house by people to kind of, like sell how good and right they are for being good and right at making this movie yeah Um, it's like a advertising basically yeah so anyway yeah that's that's kind of the the uh intro um i do want to talk a little bit about how this movie got made but uh i'm debating where i should put that in our discussion maybe we should start with it Let's just start with it because once we get going, we're gonna have uh, a lot to say. Some yeah. stuff to talk about. This movie uh, g- goes some places that I mean, um, it's 
it's gonna be hard to summarize, but I think we're gonna have to, a lot to talk about. Maybe, maybe not the, like the funniest things. Yeah, it, but it's gonna be a bit of a heavy discussion. So I don't know when is gonna be a good time to talk about how it made a, a eleven million dollars in the box office. So let's get it out of the way. Uh, so it's the second Australian movie we've seen. Yes, yes, uh, it is. for the show. We've seen more Australian movies, probably. We have. Uh, at, after the Loved Ones. Great episode. Great movie. Go Good watch movie. that one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, big fan of that one. Um, I say we're two for two. I mean, it, this one's pretty good, too. Yeah. Uh, so this is Kent's first feature. Um, she was an actress for a little while. Not in anything. Um, just like an Australian actress. Uh, and then was like, I want to learn how to make a movie. Uh, did that for a little bit, uh, and then made a, like, short film called Monster, which she says is, like, the proto-baby version of this, um, and then... I mean, that, that's how a lot of directors start. They, they yeah. make a short to kind of make an easy pitch, and then they expand on it. Yeah, and then via a combination of public and private funding, um, they got, like, government grants to make this movie, there was a Kickstarter, um, and they had private investors, like everyone does, um, they were able to get it made. Uh, on a two million dollar budget, uh, like I said, box office was eleven million. It only ever got a very limited release outside of Australia, um, but it's definitely a bit of a critical darling. Um, yes, I remember this mostly as a Netflix movie. It came on Netflix maybe a year or two after yeah it released. So and then and a lot of people on the internet started talking about it. Yeah, it was a big that meme was like on a big Tumblr. Thing. And then I would say the other thing about it is just that it has kind of like a ridiculous uh sort of inflated Rotten Tomato score of like ninety seven, ninety eight percent or something. Like I mean, that. you know what I say about them. I mean, it's fine. Like the audience score is quite a bit lower, which I think like. It's weird because a lot of the times, like, I think the audience score is biased to be wrong or biased to be right one way or the other. And you kind of, it kind of depends on, like, how you feel about the movie going in. But I don't know. I think 70% is, like, closer to the truth here. Critics can be a little overzealous about movies like this, I will say. I find... Their enthusiasm about them to be kind of overblown sometimes it, on a lot of these. It's a movie that's like got big themes and ideas and wants to to explore them very loudly. And there's some good craft stuff in it for somebody's first feature because for I, sure. Because I, I will say, this is absolutely a horror movie for people who don't like horror movies. It is I like a drama that. for people who don't regard it as like an art or a good genre or anything. So it, it is attracting that crowd with yeah. a very inflated score i think that is part of it uh, i agree uh this is like a movie that i could uh convince my mom to watch to trick her into getting bummed out very easily i don't think megan wants to watch this <laughs> <laughs> we might get into it anyway um asking your mother to watch this is like the worst person i think you could ask <laughs> <laughs> just in general not just your mother anyone's mother uh Alright, so that's, I think that's like our intro. Oh, the only other notable thing about it is Opal, when I met you, you hated this movie. I did, I did. And maybe, maybe towards the end we'll kind of talk about why. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. I am it. warmer on it this time around. I am older now, and I, I kind of have a different read on it than maybe I did before, but I still think I wasn't necessarily... Wrong. wrong but yeah we will talk about that yeah exactly as we've established earlier you've only been wrong in history two times yeah so you know <laughs> keep telling me that uh so let's get into the summary 
Uh, we open on a woman uh, named Amelia uh, having a car crash. Uh, there's some neat visual stuff going on here. She's like falling through like the the sky onto like a bed here. Uh, she's awoken by it's, her. It's very dreamlike. Yes. Uh, she's awoken by her son Samuel, who has had a nightmare. Uh, and she reads him a bedtime story. She reads him the Three Little Pigs. Uh, he's a little old for this. Yes, he's seven. Six. Seven. Uh, about to be seven. About to be seven. Um, uh, she, uh, as mom, is tired, and Samuel is a handful. Uh, he is, uh, I don't know, he's like an industrious little boy. He's like <laughs> he's making... He's a busybody little boy. He's like making contraptions to, like, slay monsters, and I he's think, got, like, a magic routine, like, stage magic that he I practices. I think she should maybe be a little bit more on top of this, because once your son is making weapons, there really is no turning back. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, uh, she's also, like, very tired out by a very, like, overactive and, like... I think we're going to have to just say it right up at the top. Uh, autism coded boy. Yes, yes. He. I, I think <clears throat> a lot of people had said this. Maybe some people don't agree. Maybe you could kind of justify that like, oh, it's just kind of general behavioral problems. But I also found him very like autistic coded in my first viewing he, as well. He is a child that has uh, some unresolved issues for sure, um, but, you know, so does she. So Yes, she does. You know, I think um, depending on what perspective you come into this movie, you might have a different read on Samuel, but that was definitely like 100% like yes. where I'm coming to this movie is like, yeah, this is a... He's on the spectrum, 100%. Yes, that's also immediately the read I had my first viewing as yeah. well. Um. Amelia's day job is she is a caregiver at an old folks' home. Um, she uh, gets a call at work from Samuel's school. Uh, he's in trouble for building a dart crossbow. This is not good. Right no. away, this is not good. This is like, it's one thing for your kid to be like yelling and screaming and waking you up in the middle of the night so you can't go to sleep. Um, it's another thing to be building weapons and bringing them to school. Um she kind of brushes this off a little bit, like, oh, he's a little boy. Yeah, so <laughs> little boys this, love making weapons. This is wild to me. It's, no, no, no. Because the school administrators are like, okay, well, we're going to, like, assign somebody to watch him all the time. And she's like, well, you just don't understand him. And it's like, well, lady, do you understand him? Because... That's also kind of a crazy solution. Like, I don't know if that's a thing necessarily in Australia, but we do have kind of, like, special placement classes in the states where like kind of behavioral behaviorally different kids kind of get put in where they're they're monitored closely but they're still with other kids yeah and she's worried about it like she says like he's already alienated from the other kids and this is going to make it worse if you give him like a minder or whatever um but also just like she doesn't want to accept that this is true right that her son has a problem um, even though she knows, she knows, she knows, she knows that he does, but she doesn't want to, um, I don't know, like it, it's, it's hard to say exactly what her motivations are, what she, what she wants here, but she's definitely, um, not handling it. I mean, it's going to be hard to criticize this fictional parenting or whatever, right? But like, realistically, 
It's going to take a while to get to this point. You're going to have to have ignored a lot of things to get to this place. Right. So I think we're just going to have to get into some of the themes right off the job. We're like two sentences into the summary, but we just have to talk about this stuff. I mean, two seconds into the movie, you know what it's going to be about. Exactly. Yeah. So so this movie uh, is from the perspective of a struggling mom. This movie is not about Samuel in the way that it is about Amelia. I'm comfortable saying that. Yes. Um, it He's definitely the other major character in the movie. Like, his stuff gets brought in. But it is from her perspective, fundamentally. She is the the lens that we, the audience, kind of see the movie through yes. for the bulk of it. Um, I mean, like it or not, she is the protagonist. Yes. Um, the movie is partially about how, like, society has failed her a bit. Right? Uh, how it fails women in her situation. Where, you know, she's lost her husband, she's got a struggling young boy who she doesn't know how to help correctly, and the school doesn't know how to help. Uh, Even, like, the neighbors, even, like, her close friends and family don't really really know how to help. Oh, they're an issue. We'll talk about it. Some of them, like, are, quote-unquote, like, trying their best, but it's usually with, like, some kind of ulterior selfish motive kind of thinly veiled behind it, right? Um, You know, she is trying very hard to not have her kid taken away from her. Um, for better or for worse, I guess I'll say, as the movie unfolds here, right? Yeah. So, um... It becomes very stressful and very harrowing very fast. Yeah. Uh, Samuel is doing, like, blink and you miss it uh, causing trouble. Like, I, I actually found it very difficult to keep up taking notes for the summary for this movie, partially because I was just really interested in watching it. But also because, like, everything that happens is, like, important mm-hmm. or felt, like, important. Um, you know, he's, like, telling a random person, uh, like, a random adult, oh, my dad died in a car crash while my mom was on the way to the hospital to have me. And she's like, ah. uh, Listen, I mean, kids do that, though. Absolutely, they, they do. They do, 100%. Uh, she's at, like, a play date with her sister and her sister's daughter. And he's, like, climbing up on top of the swing set. Um, her sister's, like... I don't really want to do this whole joint birthday thing we've been doing so that you don't have to celebrate Samuel's birthday on the day your husband died anymore. Um, and as she's distracted by that, Samuel gets up on top of the jungle gym or whatever and almost falls down or something. That, that'll happen. Yes. I will say, if you are not a person who likes children, you will not leave this movie liking <laughs> children. It It's definitely like rough for me because though the movie is like... Um, since its perspective is so kind of locked on Amelia as the protagonist, kind of despite that, like, my sympathies mostly lie with Samuel in this movie. Well, yes, um, he's a, he is a child. We we like kids. We, That's not crazy to say that we like, enjoy children. I don't want to bring, like, too much heavy, like, personal history into this, but, like, I'm an uh, only child of a single mom who was not always the most attentive. Um... The person who I really empathize with here is the kid that's having behavioral problems that are not being properly attended to because the mom is in a depression hole about her husband being dead. I'm Um, not going to feel bad about bringing my personal history into it either. I mean, I am from a mother who also has her own mental issues. Yes. And I, I would describe my upbringing as kind of hard for those reasons. And I definitely see a lot of that in it. 
Yeah. So it is it is hard not to identify with this little kid in some ways. Yeah. And Even I, if he is like technically difficult and he acts out, you know, it's yeah, like it's how kids respond to things like this. He's a snotty little kid, but like society has absolutely failed him as well. And his person who's supposed to be like his closest confidant and support, his mother is failing him. So yes, everyone else is failing her too, but like I, I definitely empathize a little bit more with the child as opposed to the adult. When, when kids get situation. stressed out when they're that young, they act out in crazy, crazy ways. Yeah. That, that's just a fact. He, that he is clearly in like a bad feedback loop here yeah. where he acts out and he gets a certain kind of response from his parent and he repeats the process. Yes, there, there have been a lot of things ignored for it to get to this point for both of them. Yes, that, we need to stress like he's seven. Like, it's not like he's the terrible twos. It's, no, he's no. he's seven years old. He, like, he's he, does a, act, he's a, he does act a little bit young for his age, but that can also just be kind of, like, stunting due to her emotional yeah. well, state. I mean... And, I mean, again, we talked about how he's kind of autistic coded. Like, that's another, you know, factor of, like... A bit, yes. He, he, he behaves very... a little bit differently than maybe he should at seven, you know? Yeah. Um, so... Uh, I, I guess all this to introduce the the main uh, fulcrum of of uh, uh, drama in the movie. Uh, Samuel has found a book uh, about the Babadook, uh, a monster who announces himself with three knocks. Uh, he's having bad dreams. Uh, we get the feeling that he's having these bad dreams every night. I think if a mystery horror book appears on your bookshelf you give it a cursory look before you start yeah, reading it this book's really creepy <laughs> um it's like a pop-up book it's got scary illustrations and no real like story or ending um it's just the the whole thing is basically just like there's a creepy guy it's the babadook he's <laughs> out there you can't get rid of him he knocks three times uh yeah yeah um and this this freaks out uh samuel um obviously as you know as it would um but you know, some of the I, scenes I kind of thought like, the, the scene of him like <laughs> screaming while she's <laughs> trying to like read another story to get him to go to bed is kind of like darkly funny. Just no, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that would happen. Yeah, anyone who's been around a small child throwing a temper tantrum knows sometimes you you try hold, to distract you, yeah, hold them up against you as they <laughs> scream and wail and flail their arms around while you calmly read a book to them. It, it is a very kind of stark view to what motherhood is to a lot of people. But also, like at the same time, you get the feeling that she is distant from him. I like, mean, we we get scenes of them kind of in bed together because he does have nightmares and he he crawls into her bed a lot. Her just being on the complete edge of the bed away from him and there's also like there's a scene where he's trying to like do a magic trick for her and he's like mom you have to look at me so i can do the magic trick mom you have to look at me and she like won't do it which all kids do yes i remember doing this to my, <laughs> yes. to my mom yes. um but it it was it's building up here that like they are having um she is very cold she has resentment towards samuel this is yes. something that's going to bubble to the surface and become explicit later but like she resents that samuel is making her life more difficult than it already is um that's her feeling about it and i can understand how that's like an intrusive thought you get as a parent sometimes taking care of uh, a kid by yourself in a sad lonely yeah. world yeah. i get that but she has let it develop into a very bad problem at this point yes <laughs> um she watches some TV with their dog. 
It's a really uh, cute dog. The dog's super cute. <laughs> um, she tries to uh, relax and uh, masturbate in her room, only to be interrupted by Samuel. Nightmare. Nightmare. <laughs> nightmare. Lock nightmare. The, lock the door. Uh, Samuel's like, the Duke's in my room. Um, and she's like, oh no, this is not going to become a thing. Which, of course, means it's going to become a thing. Yeah. Um, I, I wrote here, like, Samuel, like, for all his difficulty, like, is, like, sweet. Like, he talks about how, Mommy, I really want to, like, protect you. I think I'm he gonna... does have his moments that he, where he's really sweet and it makes you really, really sad. Yeah, like, he's talking about how he's going to kill the monster. He clearly wants to, like, protect her. He's, you know, again, like, I, I single child of a, of a single mom, I understand wanting to feel like I'm the man of the house and I'm going to, you know, save mom who's having a bad time. I get it. Um... Yeah, you, you look out for each other. Yeah, um, but she's clearly not, like, willing to kind of accept that sort of behavior from him. Uh, she's not also really able to function at work, either. Uh, we get a scene of her, like, awkwardly uh, fucking up reading the bingo numbers. Uh, I think this just happens. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you need to be depressed to kind of, like, be not into bingo. She's got, like, a somewhat flirty co-worker, Robbie. Uh, he seems nice. He does seem nice. You know, one of the things he says to her here, I wrote it down, is like, you don't have to be fine, you know, when she like brushes him yeah. off saying like, oh, I'm fine. Um, and that's like an example. I think it's like, interesting that it does kind of illustrate that she does have supportive people around her. Well, I could think you could read Robbie as like, he's flirting with her and he's interested in her. I kind of rate it more as a just a friend, you know? Well, I mean, he he's going to like be somewhat interested in her in another scene i think though he is showing like some real concern here um oh yeah for sure and like she brushes it off and part of it is like i don't know if she doesn't just want to be seen as somebody who needs help necessarily um but there's like support here that she is not accepting as well um i don't think she sees herself in that way yeah i, I don't know um she, uh, he, uh, Robbie gives her a break so that she can go to the mall. Uh, she... Uh, she has an ice cream at the mall. Yeah, she eats an ice cream cone alone. Um, hey, been there. Uh, and she, uh, spies a couple kissing in their car, which upsets her. Uh, she, she then checks her phone and sees that her sister has called her ten times because, uh, she's watching Samuel and Samuel has misbehaved again. Uh, he's scared his cousin Ruby with stories about the Babadook. Uh, saying he's going to eat her. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think that necessarily is, like, that unusual for, like, a little boy to try to, like, tell scary stories to, like, his cousin or whatever to freak her out. But he does say some concerning things, <laughs> as we will see later. Yeah. Uh, when she gets there to pick him up, uh, she finds out that he's also uh, bought some firecrackers on the internet and is setting them off. How does this happen? I don't know. I hope we don't have a problem like this. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we're not going to have an Amazon button for explosives. <laughs> um, He's, like, doing his magician routine, like, in the basement where he, like, sets up his firecrackers to be like, ta-da! Um, and he brags to his dad that he's going to kill the Babadook. Uh, Robbie, the co-worker, comes by with flowers and a toy for Samuel. Uh, but this ends poorly when it's revealed that... Uh, Amelia has lied to him and said that Samuel is sick, and that's why she needs to, like, attend to him. Um, but Samuel's not sick. He's, uh, 
kicked out of school for causing problems. Yeah, uh, she has uh, her first uh, concerning word vomit moment here, yeah. which will continue to happen. Um, Samuel's very upset. He says stuff like, Mom, you won't let me have a daddy anymore. Um, presumably, like, the, the cause of the rift between them, right, is that Samuel, like, wants to connect about their dad and she doesn't want to think about her dead husband anymore she also associates her own son with her husband's death right that's why she won't have the birthday on the same day it's like the cause of the rift between them right is that she's not over this yet yeah samuel wants to be able to talk about daddy and have a dad even though dad's dead and she won't like let that happen basically open up about it she is still really sore about it yeah um so, yeah, this kind of scares off uh, her concerned co-worker. Uh, and, yeah, she yells at Samuel here. She has, like, a, a pretty mean... I forget exactly what she says here, but she uh, freaks out at him. Yeah, she talks about how he's a bad little boy and misbehaves and things yeah. like that. Yeah, Um. And Samuel says, like, something along the lines of, like, oh, you told me that, like, I wasn't bad, that, like, there was just, like, a misunderstanding or something like that, which kind of shows that like maybe she's coddling him or maybe she's not like addressing that this is a problem or trying to ignore it she's trying to ignore it or maybe she's just not letting on like how upset she is about this yeah um the night at dinner she finds glass in her food i i need to know how this happened whether it is this kid or she did it or what because well samuel says the babadook did it (laughs) uh and she's like holy fucking shit i can't deal with this um uh, a little bit later, she finds a, like, treasured photo of her and her husband uh, defaced and confronts Samuel about it. But again, Babadook did it. Um, she's clearly, like, thinking that this is Samuel, like, creating this externalized monster to... She thinks it's him. To Yes, she thinks it's him. Like, when she finds the photo, she sees him, like, run out of her room uh, be- right before she finds it, right? So she has reason to believe this, right? Um, she thinks this is, like, him acting out worse than he ever has by, like, creating this this character uh that night samuel has another babadook scare so amelia uh, takes the book and rips it up and throws it in the garbage uh the book has been like moving around the house i don't know why she kept it yeah um the next day they attend uh ruby the cousin's birthday party uh amelia has like a bad exchange with some of the other moms who they are they are bitches. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think they're being like fake polite to her or like fake concerned. Um, I I hate them and I hate this little girl so much. <laughs> they are so mean because you know this little girl is repeating shit that her mom has said, and that's always how it goes. Well, and clearly, like the friends have heard stuff from the sister yeah. that you know. That Amelia was not aware that she was sharing with them, and it's like upsetting her. And she's oh, yeah. like, you know, I I understand. How I know it... I know what type of relatives these are. Yeah, no, I I know how it is to like run into the relatives who like are holding something against you, and you can't really do anything about it. And it's like, yeah, I'm being cold to you, but also you're being like horrible to me. So yeah, it, it's a tough thing. Um, uh, Ruby and Samuel bicker while Amelia and her sister Claire bicker at the birthday party. Um, which culminates in Samuel uh, knocking Ruby out of her treehouse onto her face. It's, uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, she gets like, well, she at least has like a, a messed up like nose a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't know if the 
if she just has a bloody nose or if she broke her nose she or something like that. She broke her nose. We find out later. Yeah. Um, she was being real nasty to Samuel. He, she um, was being awful. I would say she deserves it. I mean, it's the kind of bullying that, like, um, is... This is, kind of, this is the kind of thing where, like, if your kid came from school after doing this, like, got in trouble for, like, hitting a kid or whatever, and they said what they had said to them, you would be like, oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course you're going to deck them. Yeah, I mean, if, if bullies are, you know, talking about how uh, you don't deserve to have a dad because you're a horrible boy, uh, then, yeah. I'm glad your dad is dead. Like, yeah, that, that, punch in the face. <laughs> okay, so he, he lashed out, but, you know, a, a thing. She, does, she deserves it. I bit. think kids do. Um, she learned. She's not going to say that shit to him again. <laughs> um, he's, like, throwing a fit in the car on the way home, and Amelia yells at him, why can't you be normal? Yeah, seen that screenshot going around. Um, and Samuel uh, like convulses and collapses after seeing an invisible Babadook in the car. Um, the man has not made his appearance. Not he, yet. He takes his sweet time. Yeah. Um, so Amelia, of course, like goes to the hospital to have this kind of sorted out. She's like, my kids. He needs psychiatric help. He's, like, having a bad time. Yes. Um, yes, all true. She uh, begs the doctor for sedatives so that Samuel will sleep uh, until, like, he can see a psychiatrist in a few weeks. Um, I would say this on its own is not a crazy leap in logic. If, like, your kid is stressing himself out so much that he is, like, convulsing in the car, like, yeah, you might need some kind of emergency measure for, like, a couple weeks, but... She but, is also the problem. But also, why has it gotten to this point without yes. him being, like, consulting a doctor is, about this? It right? is also her fault. Like, if you have a kid with behavioral problems, like, you go and you talk to a doctor about it. Yes. Like, you don't just, like, let it get to the point where he's, like, making himself pass out from rage in the car. Yeah. I just um, think that solution on its own isn't crazy, but you have to address literally everything <laughs> else for that yes. to be uh, a solution. I think the doctor can tell, like, oh, you're really desperate. Yeah. Uh, and is like a little weirded out by it. Yeah. Um, uh, this is really sad. Uh, Samuel asks Amelia why people don't like him. Uh, Amelia says, that's not true. Just take your medicine. Which is a horrible fucking thing to say to a kid who has this concern. Like, yeah. it's really like, we need to... Well, I mean, the, the truth is, the sad truth is she can't answer that question because she currently does not like her son. Exactly. Yeah, she can't be honest with her son that she's growing distant from him because of this this behavioral problem they have. She won't yeah. face it. Um, she thinks, you know, oh, just get a little sleep and then the behavioral problems will stop and then we'll be fine again, which is uh, not going to happen. No. Um, so uh, Samuel, he's terrified that the Babadook's going to kill his mom, uh, just like how his dad died. Uh, he asks, like... Uh, she asks him, hey, don't talk about the Babadook anymore. And he's like, okay, well, you have to promise to protect me and I'll protect you. And then I won't bring up the Babadook anymore. She's like, okay, I promise. Uh, he says, I love you, mom. And she says, me too. <laughs> uh, just little subtle, uh, good bits yeah. of like script writing yeah. here to make it really hit you. Um, and uh, with Samuel uh, sedated, uh, Amelia is able to sleep for the first time. She says in weeks. Um but uh, that morning, there are three loud knocks at the door, and a repaired uh, Babadook book has arrived on the doorstep. Um, if you if you throw away a bad book, this is always just what's going to happen. <laughs> if you throw away a cursed haunted book. It's always going to come back. 
the book is worse this time. Uh, it shows Amelia uh, killing their dog uh, and then strangling Samuel uh, and then cutting her throat with a knife. Um, and it says the more she denies the Babadook, the stronger it will get. And it's going to get under her skin. Do you understand? Do you understand the metaphor? Uh, this is the movie uh, telling you the literal events that are gonna that yes. could possibly happen. Right? <laughs> Maybe here's how it could have happened. <laughs> uh, Amelia uh, decides she's gonna burn the book this time, uh, and she thinks she's being stalked. She calls her sister Claire, who's like, "I don't want to deal with you anymore." Uh, she goes to the police. And gets rebuffed. Okay, but her sister is calling her just to tell her that uh, Samuel broke her kid's nose. And then she's like, oh, I'll pay for it. And she's like, I don't want you to pay for it. Then why are you calling? Why are you telling me this? What do you want? She... I'm getting unreasonably mad at this sister because she... I hate her. Uh, there's a creepy scene at the police station here uh, where the mom uh, like thinks the police station cops are the babadook or something where she gets creeped out they probably are she's having uh visual hallucinations uh uh this is getting bad <laughs> um yes if you couldn't tell it is becoming severe um when she gets back home she finds uh samuel with the neighbor lady uh, uh this lady is so sweet the nicest character in the movie she's just so nice uh yeah samuel uh is like oh she has parkinson's that's why she shakes all the time and she's like jesus christ samuel and then the lady's like no it's okay we just like had a normal conversation about it like you do sometimes with kids like clearly like this is not him being uh acting up here no he he's just saying something that he learned but yeah i mean everything he does bothers her now yeah um the the old lady neighbor is like oh she's just like uh uh his father you know he always just said what was on his mind too um which just makes her more mad not helping it makes her more mad because she's so mad about her mom and her her husband and she storms away um then she finds some bugs coming out of a hole in the wall uh and right as she goes to fix it she gets a house call from a couple of social workers one nice thing is every time there's a knock at the door in this movie, there's three loud knocks, like the Babadook, even when, like, it's random people coming to the door. Yeah, or well, when... I mean, that's mostly the way you knock. It's true. I mean, <laughs> it is I, to a degree, right? I think I just like that it's, like, thematically consistent the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of, it's supposed to make you think, like, oh, is he back? And you see, like, the, the character have that same reaction, yeah, too, yeah. right? So, um Samuel uh, tells the social workers that mom has put him on sleeping pills and that they're making him nauseous. Uh, again, this is They like, do everything wrong here. Yeah, everything wrong. Uh, she is clearly, like, just doing enough for them to, like, not take Samuel away from her. Um, she's having uh, more hallucinations now. Uh, she sees the Babadook in the neighbor lady's house. Uh, and she's, like, forcing Samuel to stay awake so that he'll go to bed at the right time with the sleeping pills. Because um, she's got to get her sleep so that she can be normal again. Um, that night, she's ter- terrorized by the Babadook some more. Um, the Babadook, who is a stop-motion shadow on the ceiling? Yeah, we we finally get to see some Babadook action. It's pretty good. Yeah, I I really like the, the stylistic direction that the movie takes. It's kind of like that... What is it? Expressionism. Expressionism. Yeah. 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 
Um, I, I just lost my words for a second. Yeah, this movie was apparently at one point conceived to be like all black and white, which is kind of cool. Worked. It's kind of cool with the black and white uh, uh, antagonist character. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he, it's really good. Uh, I like that it's all like practical in frame stuff. It all looks pretty good, even though it's like kind of stop motiony. Um, well. I, I will say something that this movie suffers from. It, it relies a lot on stock sound effects that I find very, very funny yes. at points where I probably shouldn't. Um, uh, Mom calls out sick at work and berates Samuel when he asks for food. Uh, very, very sad. Yes. Uh, the kid is not even acting out anymore. It is just sad. No, at this point, I would say, honestly, their behavior switches. We're now, yes, like... Yes, he is now parenting her. Yes. Um, which is a real thing that happens. Uh, the... Every part, except for the part where she tells her uh, seven-year-old son to eat shit, uh, every other part of the, like, food conversation is a real conversation I've had with my mother. Yes. Where it's like, Mom, you're asleep at 11 a.m., and... Uh, I need some food, and there's no food in the fridge, and she's just like, uh, you deal with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just yeah, to... Uh, also had that conversation. Yeah. Um, she, uh, realizes that treating him like this is an awful thing to do. And she, she says some awful, awful things to him. Yeah, uh, so she, like, makes a show of comforting him and takes him out to eat. Um... Where other people's kids are being a nightmare <laughs> now. Yeah. Um... And she kind of has that Tony Collette look on her face, where she's just like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> she's just about like, to snap. S- sleepy eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the ride home, she has hallucinations of the Babadook and crashes their car, uh, enraging the other driver, who is like extra mad that she had a kid in the car. Um, so she does a hit and run and just drives home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, once home, she has like a breakdown. Uh, she's like in the bathtub in her clothes and is like picking Samuel up in his clothes and putting him in the bathtub with her and she's like it's warm isn't it and just like me in the bathtub though (laughs) um and she's also refusing to call anyone uh because she not only uh doesn't want to be exposed to the shame of being in such a bad situation she also doesn't really trust anyone to give her like real help at this point yeah um she does some more yelling at samuel who's doing some more trying to do some more parenting um she she's getting very very bad yeah um that night she wakes up to samuel uh armed with his like one of his contraptions trying to call the neighbor lady to say that the babadook is trying to break into their house um so she threatens him with a knife uh (laughs) This was uh, the point in the movie where, like, her abusiveness towards Samuel is really, like, skyrocketing. Uh, These are all things that would get your kid taken away and things yeah. that would end your relationship, any potential of having a future relationship with your kid forever. She just does regularly now. Yeah. Um, like, I have to say, for, like, the first 30 minutes of the movie, like, okay... Yeah, there's some unresolved issues with her and some unresolved issues with her kid. Her kid is acting out. But it's kind of like normal parent stuff. Um, At this point, it's like full on like, oh, she's like a horrible evil person now. She she is fully evil, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, she uh, dreams that she finds Samuel uh, bloody and dead and wakes up with uh, standing over Samuel's bed with a knife in her hand. Uh, which is as you do 
parenting? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you're in, like, hereditary, sure. We'll talk about it. Uh, the dog doesn't trust her now. <laughs> Even the dog doesn't like her. Uh, she's hallucinating more. She sees, like, a news broadcast of, of her, like, murdering her son. Uh, but from, like, the news broadcast perspective... Um, I think if I had a hallucination about what I was doing on the news, I would be one of those people that took off all their clothes and ran in the street like the to- the Coney 2012 guy. I don't think you would do that. <laughs> uh, she's like sleepwalking now. Uh, she like sleepwalks down into the basement where she sees her husband who is like obviously the Babadook. Your uh, husband is the Babadook. <laughs> Uh, the the husband Babadook keeps repeating, "You can bring me the boy, the boy." Uh, she's now like running from him through the house. There's like more like maybe an actual guy in a suit here, maybe stop motion stuff. I think it's um, a guy. It looks like a guy to me, but it's it's very like silhouetted. Yeah, there's a great gag here where she like locks herself in the room and like falls down on the floor, and then uh, the fireplace behind her, the Babadook's hat drops down. <laughs> that made you laugh. That was hilarious. Well, like her reaction is like, "Oh, come on!" and like it's just so funny. Um, uh, I think the last act is a little bit drawn out. Yeah. I think it goes for a little bit longer than it probably should. Yeah, I'm gonna like uh, zoom through some stuff here. I could but... I could do with fifty percent less pterodactyl sound effects. I'll agree with that. Uh, the Babadook like uh, gets inside of Amelia. Uh, she strangles and kills their dog, just like in the the pop up book. Uh, Poor doggy. She uh, chases Samuel into his room and hulks out and breaks through his door. Uh, and she uh, does hulk out she uh, admits that she wishes he had died instead of her husband and that sometimes she wants to bash his brains in um samuel uh at this point becomes the star of a new home alone movie (laughs) yeah against his mother uh yeah he is like using all of his contraptions to fight her off um this all culminates in her like uh uh crashing through the house um he's fighting the babadook uh, but then uh, they get a knock on the door from Mrs. Roach, the neighbor lady, who's like, hey, is everything okay? Uh, yeah, probably heard all this, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Amelia talks her away and then is like, gonna kill her son, uh, but he stabs her with a knife. Uh, and I, I fully, I mean, this kid has defended himself. At this point, I'm like cheering as he knocks his mom out. Uh, I forgot how much shit she eats at the end of this movie. Oh my god, she yeah. really eats it. She uh, she gets tied up in the basement um, by Samuel, uh, who's like, you gotta get the Babadook out of you. Um, there's some really sad stuff here. He tells uh, Avelia that I know you don't love me because the Babadook won't let you, but I love you. Very, very sad. Um, uh, she gets uh, a little close to him and then chokes him, but then she vomits some black slime and collapses. Um, there's some more stuff here. Uh, basically, uh, uh, the Babadook is, like, also her husband monster, and they can't get rid of it, and it's, like, living in the house now. I mean, it's... It's depression and grief and PTSD. Yeah, it is fully like, oh, this is just like trauma of this stuff. This is the movie. This is what the movie was about. This is the movie what it is about, right. Uh, She, uh, uh, so 
basically what we end up with is this culminating sequence where they, they lock the Babadook in the closet and they both, her and Samuel, embrace. And then we cut to the end of the movie where Samuel is having his birthday party and she has seemingly, like... She's normal now. Accepted Samuel for who he is and she's normal now and he just always speaks his mind just like his dad. Um, and they're gonna be okay. Uh, she manages to, like, cow the social workers that come by uh, and she's working in her garden now, and Samuel's there, and he's finding bugs and shooting his dart gun at a dartboard, and he does a magic trick for her, and she's like, that's great. She loves him now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, she takes the worms down to the basement, and she feeds the Babadook worms. Uh. Sometimes you just gotta. Uh, Samuel asks, am I ever gonna see the Babadook? And she says, one day when you're older, and, uh, he asks how it was, and she says, it was quiet today, and, uh, it's getting much better. Uh. And then, yeah, uh, he, he does his final magic trick and impresses his mom. Uh, he pulls out a bird out of nowhere. He he pull, he fully pulls out, like, a beautiful show pigeon. Yeah. And we both just keep saying, where did the bird come from? Where did the bird come from? Where did the bird come from? <laughs> I don't even think the bird knows where it came from. It's just sitting there like, what the fuck? Uh, and, yeah, his, his mom uh, congratulates him, and we, we fade to credits. That's the end of the movie. It's all fixed. <laughs> They're normal now. Um, I'm going to take a second. That is the Babadook. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about it on this watch? Conflicted. I felt conflicted as well. Uh, this is my first time seeing it. Um, I mean, I just have problems with the movie. Um, I do as well. I find them less than my initial viewing because... My first time, I thought it was fully, like, abusive parent apologia, you know? Yeah, Like, I mean, this is how your mother feels when she talks down to you, and, oh, it's justified, because maybe she has depression, or and she'll get over it eventually, but whatever she says to you, she doesn't really mean it. And even, like, finding that the kid is autistic, and that maybe she wants to kill her autistic son, which is a very fraught subject I really, really did not like. So that is why I did not like it. But I mean, uh, on this viewing, I found a little bit more like you're obviously not supposed to empathize with her when she is horrible. No. And... Uh, so it's it's tough because I think the movie on some level wants to have it both ways. I think I think it is brave to make a movie like this to say that parenting is not like all sunshine and rainbows. And sometimes you do have resentment towards your kids like in your moments of darkness. But it's just, it's tough because it is a movie about parenting. It is not a movie about Samuel. No. It is a movie about Amelia and her being a parent and how sometimes, gosh, I just want to strangle my kid because they won't shut up, but how you get through it and yeah, maybe you have trauma, but you go feed it worms in the basement until you feel better. And then, you know, you go out and you treat your kid like a person and you can be normal in a family again. Um, I get that. But at the same time, like, this movie just kind of wants to have, like I said, it wants to have it both ways. It wants to have that, but then also have, you know, her be horribly verbally abusive to him. And then... I think that's the problem that I have with it still at the end of the day, is there really is no reckoning with that. Like, like that is not something that a child recovers from, like, being told those things. Once once she is um, bad enough that, uh, like, any, uh, like decent person would say your kid has to not live with you anymore for the rest of their life 
Um, and the movie like continues past that point, and then it wants to wrap it up with a bow at the end and say it's all better now. Um, yeah, it's not something that you just come to terms with. There, I. I would need to see that there is a lot of work being done in order to remedy this for me to feel good about it in any way. And the fact that, like, the... Because the thing is, like, it's not literal, right? It is... It, it this, I find it extremely literal. I mean, so it's literal in that the stuff that she does, she externalizes in the movie, is real child abuse stuff that, like, parents do to their kids, especially their autistic kids. Like, let's just say it. Like, parents do this shit. They yell and berate their kids. They are horrible parents to them. They treat them like shit. They bully them. They physically threaten them with violence sometimes. And yes, sometimes even kill them. Um, So treating that as like this big metaphor for like what just depression is. It's like, no, you know, um, parents who do this to their kids, their problem is not that they are depressed necessarily. They might be. That might be part of their problem. I don't but think like, it helps. No. Depression is not what makes you kill your autistic kid. Um, it's not what makes you be an abusive parent. Um, you know, you choose to do that. And I think the reason that I was kind of able to enjoy the movie still is that I do think the movie shows that Amelia is choosing to be abusive. Um, she is doing things wrong. Uh, I don't think the movie necessarily is apologia. I think it, I think it is. I don't think like, so either. I feel like that is uh, a little bit reductive of right. what it is I, doing. I think for the, sure. I think the movie wants you to think that she's wrong and bad and horrible um, because she is. I think it frames it that way as wrong and bad and horrible. Yeah, I, um, it, it's very shocking to see. It's just. But I know why the movie is what it is. But once you like take those literal examples of abuse and then want to say oh well this is a metaphor for when like your kid won't shut up in the car and you're like god i wish you'd shut up like that isn't that takes something away from that in a way that like what it is i'm not i'm not like comfortable with approaching that line i guess i'll say like it, it wants to depict these like horrible uh Uh, acts of abuse onto this child as like an object for the mother to grow and get over her stuff and then the child is just magically better as a result of that there's no like i was really glad to read that um the child actor was not present for any of those scenes where she (laughs) says those things that that would have been really awful uh they they did want to go out of their way to say we tried very hard not to abuse a child in the making of this (laughs) movie which is good that is that is good um but it's just you know um um showing all that stuff on screen but then not reckoning with it by having the kids perspective be and the kids growth and dealing with that be a part of the movie because it's really not the kid just forgives his mom and then it moves on um well i i think a kid is want to have a mother figure that they can look up to so maybe they would be more forgiving than maybe they should. But the movie wants you to believe that these two are fine and living a good life at the end. Um, and they're, that, I, that's just yeah, not possible given the events of the movie. That, really. Yeah, so, you know, if you wanted to tell me that, like, okay, these, like, two are separated now, but they're, like, working to make things better, and she's sorry, and she's seeing him as a person I, now. I would be happy with a like, situation where, like, they could come together again one day. Yeah, you know, I, but I think... I don't want to see them together right now, immediately following Immediately them. following her, like, saying she wants to bash her child's brains in and then trying to, it's, I don't... It's much. I don't want to see them as, like, a happy family and having the gooey good ending at the end. Um, yeah, that's just... Yeah, the conclusion is a bit much. Also, just kind of on a 
movie level, I feel like it is very just its metaphor. It is like, I think people went really, really hard on this movie and really got into it because it was a lot of teenagers' first movie about something. <laughs> it, it This movie is not shy about its themes. It I is... think, well, I feel as though maybe without its metaphor, it doesn't have much substance. I feel like... I feel like most of the substance outside of the, the central metaphor is in, like, some of the performance, I would say, is all right. The performance is very good. I like um, it visually. And I like how it looks visually. And then I think it interrogates its its themes in, like, a, you know, an interesting way. I mean, I don't love the... Like I said, we, we talked about, like, our problems about how that's kind of, like, an incomplete version of that and not, like, a proper necessarily reckoning with it. But Well, we're, we were going to have to bring it up eventually because this was not the only mid-2010s movie about a blonde Australian actress yelling at a child, I am your mother. So we, we, will, <laughs> we, have talk to talk, we will have to talk about Hereditary. I think that is a more complete version of this in that it is good as a standalone movie and it is very successful as a horror movie even beyond its metaphor even though it has just as strong as one i i feel i like that movie a bit more yeah i mean that movie is also about how tony collette's character is like failed by society but then also fails her family um in like a really big way and can't get over like grief and loss in the right way which that Um, movie makes me believe that this movie could have ended with her killing her child and it still would have been a complete movie I think that's a more honest ending, I think given it would have been the honest. movie that we saw. Yeah. Um, so I'll say that for Hereditary. I think it's more honest. Instead um, of just kind of like animal death as stakes, which always kind of bothers me because you don't want to fully go in on her killing her child, but that's obviously where you're going anyway. Right. She needs to still like commit a horrible, heinous act so that you believe that she'll kill her child, but without actually, you know, doing any yeah. physical violence so, so to the kid. So you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, whereas like. Uh, you know, the end of Hereditary is no, like, uh, unresolved family trauma kills your kids, which is, you know, good. Like, I think... I, think, <laughs> I don't know if I'll say good. I just mean it's good to to present that theme in that... In that. Yes, I think yes, it's, yes. I think, it's on, I think it's good that it's honest about that. Yes, 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 yes. Family murder isn't good. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say that. No. Meat grinder. <laughs> anyway. I'm, the The royal you. Anyway. Uh, I'm not, anyway, uh, so what I'm saying, I guess, basically is that, um, I think this movie is a tiny bit cowardly, uh, it's kind of a bit, a bit of a cop-out end, a little bit. I think if I was going to be, uh, uh, a little bit unfair, I would call it cowardly. Um, it's a pretty well-made movie, especially for your first feature. I think it looks great. Oh, 100%. Um, I think it's scary. Yeah. Uh, they did... Like, they did a pretty good job. Um, it's just when you are going to be so upfront and, like, straight up and down with your themes and not obfuscate it at all, um, you really got to... I, I, I almost feel like when you're making an ugly movie, you have to follow through. You can't pull your punches. And this movie, at the very end, is like, well, I'm going to pull my punch a little bit because I'm going to want you to believe that, like, you can come back from this. And, like, lady, you don't come back from that. You don't really. I like, mean... You you might come back from the first thirty minutes of this movie, um, but you oh, don't. Sure. But you don't come back from the you know 
Trying uh, to kill your child, no, yeah. no, no. And don't. I get that, like, you know, this is, this is not, it wants to use that violence as a metaphor, but that's real violence that happens to kids. We can't, yeah, we know? can't pretend like it's not something that happens. <laughs> you know, uh, when when that's like a, a real literal thing that happens, it's hard for me to say like, oh, well, it's just a metaphor for the stuff that she's going through. It's like, well, no, you really got to grapple with Pe- this People stuff. do kill those children. <laughs> yes. Not to be uh, a downer. That's so, kind of what the movie's about. The, I mean, the movie's a downer. A bit. I mean, I think it tries to pull back right at the end, and I, I think that's my, I think that's part of my problem with it. I mean, is there any other movie that you would rather see that would make you feel warm and fuzzy about family and children and joy on this uh, frigid 80 degree California Christmas day? <laughs> I mean, listen, if I want to watch a, a parable about how you have to treat your children like people. There are other movies that do that, that I think are not also brutal to children on screen. Uh, and so I have to say, I respect those movies a little bit more than this one. And that's just how I feel. I liked it. I don't, I don't really have a problem I with the craft res- side I, of it. I still I mean, respect it. I mean, I, I, I think it is kind of, I mean, people have rights to tell dark and ugly stories about realities of, you know, mental illness and grief and being a parent and, like, the yes. most horrible, horrible sides of all those things. Yes. P- I, I think... that, is, that is something to explore, and I think it's brave to explore that. Yes, but I, I think if you're going to tell a, a story about how uh, a parent pushed to the brink will do terrible things, you can't say... Oh, but... They'll be okay, though. They'll be okay. Like, it's always salvageable. I'm with you there, 100%. Like, yeah. So, uh, I think we've said our piece on this one. Yes, yes. Um, We we should get to our ratings. Yeah, we should should rate it. I think it won't encapsulate 100% of how we feel about it, but... I think we've said a lot about how we feel. Yeah, I would say the rating is just a number. If you've listened to this discussion up to this point, I'm sure people listening have opinions about it. This is going to be our longest episode. (laughs) Again, we're like coming to this. We have very like specific background that we're bringing into this and it's how we read the movie. If you have a different read, like good on you, I guess. Yes. I Um, I know that people love, love, love this movie. And I... I enjoyed it, too, a lot this time I, around. I don't want to say that, like, I disrespect you if you like this movie. I, no, I, no, I no. think I think this is a very enjoyable movie for a lot of reasons. Um, it's just the read that I have watching it makes it hard for me to enjoy it fully because of the, the baggage that I have in the movie has. And when they, when they interact, it makes me feel bad. And that hurts my enjoyment of the film. Yes. So, Fair enough. I try and be as objective about that as I can here. So, with that. With that. Uh, let's get to our rating system. So, the first category. The spookiness category. On a scale of 1 to 5, how scary and good vibesy and tension building was the Babadook? I feel like this is kind of its weakest aspect. It's, it's kind of like what I said earlier. It is a horror movie for people who don't like horror very much. It's okay. It's not that scary. I feel like it's more of a two for me. Like, I think there's some cool standalone imagery. I think the pop-up book is really awesome. I think those pictures and artwork is, like, kind of the best part of the movie. But, 
Yeah, I, I don't feel like it's much of a scare movie. I, I want to give the visuals credit somewhere, and I think I'm going to give them credit in the spookiness category. I thought they sold the scares pretty well visually. Um, there's, you know, um, at least a couple moments where I was a little spooked. I, I think it's decent. I, I definitely think this is, like, not necessarily its strong point. Um, I would give it, like, I think, a three. I think I'm always a little bit bitter when I see about any movie, what people are saying about it is like, finally, a horror movie without gore and jump scares. And it's about something. And it's just like, it shows the general like <laughs> genre ignorance of the people kind right. of generally watching the movie. Right. As so, though like every horror movie is, you know, not about anything. And it's just an excuse to put blood and Famously not about anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway... Uh, next up is watchability on a scale of one to five. Uh, how uh, smooth down does the Babadook uh, uh, hit you? I think this is a difficult rating for this movie. Yeah. Because I feel like it's it's a good watch, but parts of it are hard. So the, pro- the problem... I that- think it depends on the person. I would give it a three. So the problem that I have is... I've only watched this movie for this podcast. Yes. And this is not always an issue for me when I'm watching these movies, but occasionally my uh, analysis of the movie intrudes on my ability to just sit and watch a movie and have a good time. Um, and because I need to be thinking about how do I feel about this movie in a thematic sense, I can't just like head empty watch this movie. Uh, I feel like it kind of helped me this time around. Yeah, I mean, it's your second time seeing it. I think this movie I would enjoy a lot more on the second viewing. Right. Because I would kind of know what's coming. Because um, this movie moves pretty quick. Like It does. It does. Uh, all of these scenes are important scenes that are telling you about these characters and their relationships to each other and their shared history. And it's that, that part's all really good. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll give it a three. I mean, it's not like a fun, happy times movie. I'm not really in a rush to rewatch this movie. Um, but I don't think it's bad like i think if you just want to like put on a horror movie that has like some loud themes going on and looks pretty decent visually and has like a couple scares like it's good like it's well made i i really i I don't want to fault it too much on that so yeah i guess a three and last is the vincent price vamp rating the campiness and overall performances oh what would you give it i feel like this might be the strongest score I will give it. I feel like it deserves a four for very good performances and a really jaunty guy at the you center know, of it all. So here's the thing about this movie is the Duke is fucking funny. He's a great guy. <laughs> no, like, I don't know if he's a great guy. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say that. But Like having a character that's like a child's monster in a movie as your gag and then you're going to treat it really seriously every time it's on screen is a great bit. He's a jaunty little dude in a top hat and he's scuttering about. The scene where like the top hat falls out of the, the chimney is like into the fireplace is like at least a whole uh, point extra for me. On the camp rating. And then I think the performances, like, it's performed very well. The, the mother is very, very good. Uh, she does a great job. Uh, kid does a great job as well. For a um, kid, yeah. I mean, there is some there is some here and there where it's like, eh. Listen. Uh, There's I, never going to be a perfect kid listen, actor performance ever I, in the history of anything. I'm sure people watch this movie and they fucking hate Samuel. I 
know they do. I know for a fact. Because I've let, I've read a couple of the Letterbox reviews. I know and people I know that's think true. this is like an anti-children movie, which I think is really scary. I watched this movie, and there are quite a few times where I'm fucking charmed by Samuel, where I'm like, he's the cutest little boy. There are points where I think he's really cute. Yeah. Um. So. But th- then again. It's like I said, if you it's hate not, kids, you will hate the kid in this movie, but we like kids. Listen, it's not The Omen. No, 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 no. The little boy in The Omen... Oh, he's a little shit. <laughs> ...has, like, no redeeming qualities. Samuel is a nice little boy. <laughs> Even then, The Omen kid's a little bit cute in the right ways. I agree. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having a little Omen child. Well... A little spooky goth boy that creeps everyone out. That would be kind of fun. In that sense, sure, but having an omen kid means okay. that he will kill us. Okay, the literal, like, son of the devil may be not great. Well. Ah. <laughs> See, we're into this. Uh, it's hard. It's this a difficult is a discussion. pro-Samuel podcast, pro-Damien, pro-Samuel podcast. He will be the president. I don't want my kid to be the president. <laughs> Never mind, I'm off, Damien. But what if, but what if. What if our kid grows up to look like Sam Neill? Uh, that's what I was going to say. What if our kid grows up to be Sam Neill? <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll give this a four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, for, for performances, uh, which means that you gave it a nine and I gave it a ten. Uh, I think that's good. I think that's pretty good. Bonus points to the Babadook. Uh... LGBT ally the Babadook. I don't know his preference. Tumblr seems to know. I don't know if he'd be into me or not. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, no points to the Babadook. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you're still here listening, you know how we felt about this movie. I'm sure if you had your own opinions, uh, you could send them to us on the internet and tell us how wrong we are and how stupid and how bad our thoughts were for not thinking this is the greatest movie of all time. I don't want to hear that. Uh, if you have anything else to say, <laughs> Opal, where can people find you on the internet? We have to do our sack. Holy shit, I forgot. What is wrong with you? How could I? Bring me the movie sack. Knock, knock, knock. Here he comes. Oh no, it's the Bubba sack! <laughs> anyway, this is the movie sack segment. This is the part of the show where we figure out what we're going to watch next week. Opal, you put uh, pieces of paper into the sack with the names of movies written on them. I put different curses into the sack. And then we deal with them. I pull a movie out of the sack, which I've done. I hand and return the sack to you. And next week, we're going to be watching... Back to the Basement It Goes. It Follows. This will be really interesting. This is well. really funny, isn't it? Why, why, was, why, 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 why is it funny? So listeners, I've seen It Follows twice. The first time I watched it. You didn't like I it? I didn't like it. This is so funny. <laughs> but I'm just going to keep doing it. The this. thing is, I have come around on It Follows. I'm actually quite excited to watch it for the I podcast. I like this movie. I do. It Follows, I feel like classic mid-tens uh horror film yeah I, i'm into it um i think also be super fun also i think people are annoying critically about this movie i think this is another one for the for the non-horror fans out there 
You think so? I feel like that's way, way more of a horror movie than this one was. I agree, but, like, some of the ways people talk about this movie is, like, come on. Like, it's good. I mean, there are going to be annoying people about any single, like, good movie. Let's just get that Maybe out Maybe I of the haven't way. come all the way around on this movie after all. Uh-oh. We'll see. I don't <laughs> think I'm going to be super negative on it. I'm actually, I'm excited to watch it again. Uh, we basically watched, like, a worse version this week of this movie. <laughs> uh, which was Smile. Smile. Yes. Yeah. We didn't talk about it. Smile, also a movie in which, like, uh, there's just a terrible woman. I mean, we talked about Smile. We talked about this already. We did talk about it. We did say it was the Babadook's fault that that movie existed, and I fully stand by that. I think it is, because I think, uh... It started... Listen, it started the the prestige grief as haunting movie that we are plagued by now, and Hereditary cemented it all, all the way. So... I guess. That's the world we live in now. And uh, it's also just an It Follows very literally. Yeah, it, it is just an It Follows ripoff. But yeah. th- not doing anything interesting But trying with to be hereditary. Part. So that's really, really fun. And I hated it. I hated it so much and I'd rather forget about it. Anyway, we'll be watching It Follows next week. Opal, where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> okay, if you want to tell me how good Smile is... <laughs> Um, you can find me at opal.card.co. You can find my Twitter, Tumblr, whatever. We also have a Twitter at Scary Pair for the podcast. We have a new cover now. Yeah. We forgot to talk about our new cover. We have a new icon, a new cover that I drew. You did a great job. Thanks. We're in our Halloween costumes and we're being followed by an entity. The entity. It follows us. I guess so. How timely. Yes. And where can they find you? I'm at putrid underscore imp on Twitter. I'm also at puppeteer click. That account is mostly a Magic the Gathering account. So unless you play Magic, uh, you might not care too much about that one. Um, also, I do a show. It's called Level With You. It is a World of Warcraft Classic podcast with my friend Austin, who's never played an MMO before. Uh, we play a few hours of World of Warcraft Classic and book club about it every week. It's a good show. Yeah. Um, if you want to tell us that we're wrong, don't do that. But do tell your friends... <laughs> Uh, about the show but you can tell us we're right yeah uh, if you have good and nice things to say about it we love to hear it uh let us know uh, but if you have mean nasty things to say about it keep that to yourself <laughs> bury it uh all right i think that's gonna do it that's it what what a babadook it was babadook. oh we're not doing this <laughs> goodbye everybody bye